Chapter 16 of The Silent House This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Silent House by Fergus Hume Chapter 16 Mrs. Vrain at Bay You saw the dark man in the backyard on Christmas Eve, repeated Lucian, much surprised by his discovery. Yes, I did, replied Rhoda decisively, at half-past eight o'clock. I went out into the yard to put some empty bottles into the shed, and I saw the man standing near the fence, looking at the back of number thirteen. When he heard me coming out, he rushed past me and out by the side passage. The moon was shining, and I saw him as plain as plain. Did he seem afraid? Yes, he did, and didn't want to be seen either. I told Mr. Renton he promised me a cloak if I held my tongue. He said the dark man was waiting in the yard until the lady had gone, when he was coming in again. But the lady, you say, went on at eight and you saw the man half an hour later. That's it, sir. He told me a lie, for he never came in again to see Mr. Rent. But already the dark man had seen the lady. Yes, he came in with her at seven and went away at half-past. Lucian mechanically stooped down and picked up the fur cloak. He was puzzled by the information given by Rhoda and did not exactly see what use to make of it. Going by the complexion of the man who had lurked in the backyard, it would appear that he was Count Ferrucci, while the small stature of the woman and the fact that she wore a velvet-spotted veil indicated that she was Lydia Vrain. Also, the pair had been in the vicinity of the haunted house on the night of the murder, and, although it was true, both were out of the place by half-past eight yet they might not have gone far, but had probably returned later. When Rhoda and Mrs. Ben Susan were asleep to murder Vrain between the hours of eleven and twelve on the same night. This was all plain enough, but Lucian was puzzled by the account of Mr. Rent, who, he asked himself repeatedly, who was this grey-haired, white-bearded man who had so often received Lydia who had, on Christmas Eve, silenced Rhoda regarding Ferruci's presence in the yard by means of the cloak, and who, it would seem, possessed the key to the whole mystery. Rhoda could tell no more but that he had stayed six months with Mrs. Ben Susan, and had departed two days after the murder, whereby it would seem that his task, having been completed, he had no reason to remain longer in so dangerous a neighborhood. Yet four months had elapsed since his departure, and Denzel, after some reflection, asked Mrs. Ben Susan a question or two regarding this interval. Has Mr. Rent returned here since his departure? he demanded. Locks, no, sir, wheezed Mrs. Ben Susan, shaking her head. I've never set eyes upon him since he went. Have you, Rhoda? 
whereat the girl shook her head also and watched lucian with an intensity of gaze which somewhat discomposed him did he owe you any money when he went mrs ben susan no sir he paid up like a gentleman i always thought well of mr wrent rhoda doesn't seem to share your sentiments said denzel dryly no i don't cried the servant frowning i hate mr wrent why do you hate him never you mind sir retorted rhoda grimly i hated him yet he bought you a cloak no he didn't contradicted the girl he got it from the lady what cried lucian sharply are you sure of that i can't exactly swear to it replied rhoda hesitating but it was this way the lady wore a cloak like that and i admired it awful she had it on when she came christmas eve and she didn't wear it when i let her out and the next day mr wrent gave it to me so i suppose it is the same cloak and did the lady go out into the cold winter weather without the cloak yes but she had a long cloth jacket on sir and i don't suppose she missed it was the lady agitated when she went out i don't know she held her tongue and kept her veil down can you tell me anything more asked lucian anxious to make the examination as exhaustive as possible no mr denzel answered rhoda after some thought i can't except that mr wrent long before christmas promised me a present and gave me the cloak then will you let me take this cloak away with me if you like replied rhoda carelessly i don't want it oh rhoda wailed mrs ben susan your lovely lovely rabbit skin i'll bring it back again said lucian hastily i only want to use it as evidence ye want to know who the lady is said rhoda sharply yes i do can you tell me no but you'll find out from that cloak i guess why you're taking it you are very sharp rhoda said lucian rising with a good-humoured smile and well deserve your local reputation if i find mr wrent i may require you to identify him and mrs ben susan also i'll be able to do that but mrs hasn't her eyes much hasn't her eyes repeated denzel with a glance at mrs ben susan's staring orbs locks sir i'm short-sighted though i never lets on rhoda how can you have let on to the gentleman as i'm deficient as to knowing mr wrent i do so well enough said mrs ben susan tossing her head with his long white beard and white head let alone his black velvet skull-cap oh he wore a skull-cap only indoors said rhoda sharply but here i'm holding the door wide sir so if you've done we're done i'm done as you call it for the present replied denzel putting on his hat but i may come again in the meantime hold your tongues silence on this occasion will be gold speech won't even be silver mrs ben susan laughed at this speech in a fat and comfortable sort of way 
while Rhoda grinned and escorted Lucian to the front door. She looked so uncanny, with her red hair and black eyes, that the barrister could not forbear a question. "'Are you English, my girl?' "'No, I ain't,' retorted Rhoda emphatically. "'I am of a gentile Romany, a gypsy.' "'So you Giorgios call us,' replied the girl, and shut the door with what seemed to be unnecessary violence. Lucian went off with the cloak over his arm, somewhat discomposed by this last piece of information. "'A gypsy,' he repeated. "'Hmm! Can good come out of Nazareth? I don't trust that girl much. If I knew why she hates rent—' I'd be much more satisfied with her information. And who the deuce is Rent? Lucian had occasion to ask himself this question many times before he found its answer, and that was not until afterwards. At the present moment he dismissed it from his mind as unprofitable. He was too busy reflecting on the evidence obtained in Jersey Street to waste time in conjecturing further events. On returning to his lodgings, he sat down to consider what was best to be done. After much reflection and internal argument, he decided to call upon Mrs. Vrain, and by producing the cloak, forced her into confessing her share of the crime. Whether she had been the principal in the deed or an accessory before the fact, Lucian could not determine, but he was confident that in one way or another she was cognizant of the truth. Although this she would probably conceal, as its revelation would likely be detrimental to her own safety. At first Denzel intended to see Diana before visiting Mrs. Vrain, in order to relate all he had learned and find out from her if the cloak really belonged to the widow. But on second thoughts, he decided not to do so. I can tell her nothing absolutely certain about the matter, he said to himself, as I cannot be sure of anything until I force Mrs. Vrain to confess. Diana, so he called her in his discourse to himself, Diana will probably know nothing about the ownership of the cloak, as it seems new, and was probably purchased by Lydia during the absence of Diana in Australia. No, I have the address of Mrs. Vrain, which Diana gave me. It will be best to call on her, and by displaying the cloak, make her acknowledge her guilt. With such evidence, she cannot deny that she visited Rent and was in the vicinity of the house wherein her husband was murdered on the very night the crime was committed. Also, she must state Ferruci's reasons for hiding in the backyard, and tell me plainly who Rent is, and why he helped the pair of them in their devilish plans. I am doubtful if she will speak, but altogether the evidence I have collected inculpates her so strongly that it will be quite sufficient grounds upon which to obtain a warrant for her arrest and sooner than risk that i expect she will tell as much as she can to exculpate herself that is if she is really innocent if she is guilty lucian shrugged his shoulders 
then i cannot guess what course she will take mrs vrain with her father to protect her had established herself in a small but luxurious house in mayfair and was preparing to enjoy herself during the coming season although her husband had met with a terrible death scarcely six months before she had already cast off her heavy mourning and wore only such millinery indications of sorrow as suited with her widowed existence ferruci was a constant visitor at the house but although lydia was now free and wealthy she by no means seemed ready to marry the italian perhaps she thought with her looks and riches she might gain an english title as more valuable than a continental one and in this view she was supported by her father klein had no other desire than to see his lovely lydia happy and would willingly have sacrificed everything in his power to gain such an end but as he did not like ferruci himself and saw that lydia's affections towards him had cooled greatly he did not encourage the idea of a match between them however these matters were yet in abeyance as lydia was too diplomatic to break off with so subtle a man as the count who might prove a dangerous enemy where his love turned to hate and mr Kline was quite willing to remain on friendly terms with the man so long as lydia chose that such friendship should exist in short lydia ruled her simple father with a rod of iron and coaxed ferruci a more difficult man to deal with into good humor so she managed both of them skillfully in every way and contrived to keep things smooth pending her plunge into london society for all her childish looks lydia was uncommonly clever when lucian's card was brought in mrs vrain proved to be at home and as his good looks had made a deep impression on her she received him at once he was shown into a luxuriously furnished drawing-room without delay and welcomed by pretty mrs vrain herself who came forward with a bright smile and outstretched hands looking more charming than ever well i do call this real sweet of you said she gaily i guess it is about time you showed up but you don't look well that's a fact what's wrong i'm worried a little replied lucian confounded by her coolness that's no use mr denzel you should never be worried i guess i don't let anything put me out not even your husband's death that's rude said lydia sharply the color leaving her cheeks what do you mean have you come to be nasty i came to return you this said denzel throwing the cloak which he had carried on his arm before the widow this echoed mrs vrain looking at it well what's this old thing got to do with me it's yours you left it in jersey street did i and where's jersey street you know well enough said lucian sternly it is near the place where your husband was murdered mrs vrain turned white do you dare to say she began when denzel cut her short with a hint at her former discomposure the stiletto mrs vrain 
Don't forget the stiletto. Oh, God, cried Lydia, trembling violently. What do you know of the stiletto? End of chapter 16